Anyone who has had uh, little kids goes through times when they ask a lot of why questions. Eat your green beans. Why? On and on it goes. And, and I think most of us, when our kids are little, try to be patient parents and, and give good explanations on, on the whys until they just continue so long that you finally say, because I said so, I'm your dad. That's why. We get impatient with the whys. But one of the reasons kids ask why is they're, they're learning about the world. They're curious. They want to know the why of things, why things are, why things are the way they are. They, they try to get at the heart of things with those why questions. So it's a healthy thing to ask why. Always is. It's good for us as adults. It, it kind of brings a... a a freshness when we get at the why. Kids want to get at the why. When our little guy, our son, his name was Kevin, was a little guy, two or three years old, I forget exactly what, but I'd come home one day after a busy day, sat in the chair in the living room, and and uh, he hadn't seen me all day, and all of a sudden he came in and tugged on my pants and and said, Daddy, play with me. You know, he, he hadn't seen me all day. He wanted to get together, let's play, and uh, I was trying to regroup for a bit. I had the paper back when you read the paper uh, looking, <laughs> looking in front of me and uh, I said, just a minute, Kevin, I'll, I'll play with you. I just want to relax a bit. So he, he waited a little bit and then shortly after that he pulled on my pants again. Daddy, play with me. Give me just a minute, Kevin. We'll play. Just be a little patient. Sat there a little longer reading the paper and then he said, Daddy, do you love me? And I looked down at him and said, Oh, of course, Kevin. You know I love you. He said, Well, then, put down your paper, get up out of your chair, get down on the floor, and play with me. <laughs> you see, he wanted to get at the heart of things. What's, what's really important? That's what we're going to look at this morning, kind of the why of things, the why of the mission of the church. Nehemiah was a prophet in the Old Testament. We're going to look at a few verses from him again this week during this month, uh, preaching through some passages from this book because it's a time of transition for the Israelite people. They're in the transition from the exile to coming back to Jerusalem, and they are in need of, of guidance. And Nehemiah is a prophet of God. He had a deep heart of compassion for their plight, their brokenness, the broken down walls around the temple in Jerusalem. He sees all this and his heart is moved deeply. And if you were here last week, we looked at his prayer of, of heartfelt prayer in transition for his people. Now today, he, he as we look at a passage pretty soon, he, he speaks of of how to get this mission going again, figured out. It's in Nehemiah 2, and we're going to read some verses as we go through there. But let's pause for a moment of prayer. Thank you, Lord, uh, for your word, for your people. As we look to you this morning, uh, our hearts are looking for why. And, Lord, you have those answers. So we look to you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
So I'm going to read a few verses as we go through the second chapter of Nehemiah. They'll be on the screen if you have your Bible or your device. We can follow along. Nehemiah 2, verses 1 through 3. And here Nehemiah, after he has said this this deep, heartfelt prayer, uh, goes to the king who he has to have permission from to lead the, the, uh, the, the mission that he was on, he speaks to the king. So in the first three verses, it says this. Early the following spring in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was serving the king his wine. I had never before appeared sad in his presence. So the king asked me, why are you looking so sad? You don't look sick to me. You must be deeply troubled. Then I was terrified, but I replied, Long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. The king asked, Well, how can I help you? So this first part of the passage speaks to Nehemiah's motivation for doing what he is going to do. His why, his deep heartfelt concern. Now, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, and uh, as he was serving the king wine, as he normally did, uh, the king notices that he's troubled. There's a, there's a, a sadness in his face. The king notices that. And so he says, why? He asks the why question. Why are you troubled? Why are you so sad? And uh, Nehemiah then speaks from his heart as he was serving the king his wine. But it says, first, he was terrified. In the second verse, then I was terrified. Why was he terrified? The king wasn't a godly man. The king didn't care anything about God's people or the plight of God's people, but Because Nehemiah was his cupbearer, he was his trusted cupbearer, he trusted Nehemiah and he looked to Nehemiah. He had his ear. But Nehemiah was still terrified because he didn't know how the king was going to react. He, He had to take a risk to tell him why he felt the way he did. The king was trying to get at his motivation, and Nehemiah was very honest with him. He said, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates destroyed by fire. So Nehemiah speaks from his heart. You know, when we look at our motivations sometimes, we're motivated by a lot of things. And all of us have different ideas about things and different motivations for doing what we do. Our, our whys are all different, but, but our whys are the things that motivate us, that keep us going, that, that determine why we choose this instead of that. All of that has to do with what's deep in our heart, our motivations, what's going on inside. And oftentimes we have to peel back, kind of like an onion, layers, to really get down at the why. But Nehemiah because he wanted to be honest, instead of manipulating the king, instead of uh, trying to maneuver around him, says, my heart's sad because my people are in ruins and lie in, in destroyed settings and, and they're broken spiritually and their walls are broken and they're in need of revival and re, uh, renewal 
and that's my heart. Now, as Nehemiah shared his heart, the king responded in the fourth verse, how can I help you? Um, one of the things the world around us is looking for, I believe, from, as they observe Christians, is, is that, that authenticity. What, what's your motivation? What, what really makes you tick? And, and the world around us can, can detect insincerity and manipulation and maneuvering in the hearts of Christians. One of our, our best testimonies is simply to be from the heart, motivated in the right ways and, and, and coming from a, a place that's, that's authentic and true to us. Now, why is that important? Because once we're honest with God, as Nehemiah was in his prayer, and then honest with himself about where he was, he could then be honest and forthright about what was going on. Now, that's important for us as individuals. It's important as a church. What's our why? What's our mission? What are we going to do to reach our community and our world. Um, as, a, as a local church pastor, and then when I was discipleship pastor these last few years at Community of Hope, we, we, we had, after uh, about two or three times a year, uh, what we call the Discover class, Discover Community of Hope. And, and at that class, um, I, I, would, I would ask, why did you start attending here? Why, why did you come here? How did you get here? And people were still fairly new, so they, they gave answers, different answers. Most of them had to do, though, with, well, I, I like this, and, and my friends go here. or this. You know, there was a variety of reasons, but most of them had to do with something that was kind of important to them and their needs. That was their why at the time. Well, we would follow up that class down the road a little bit with another class called Go Deeper, and that was for people after they'd been in the church for a while and wanted to get involved in in the life of the church and the mission of the church. And, and so at that class, we, we kind of re-asked that question, why, why are you in this class now? Well, I want to get connected to the mission of this place. I believe in what you're doing and, and want to see, I want to be a part of it. So their, their initial reaction had to do more with them. Now it was, how can I help this place move forward? And, and those motivations are what are important to get that focus off of what we are and what we like to what the needs of the people around us that don't know us, that don't know what we believe or why we believe or don't know why we gather now, can see some authenticity in us. There's a, a video we're going to see here. A Christian comedian named Michael Jr. He's not a church guy, but he's, he's coming kind of back to church. And uh, you'll see what he, what he says. I remember going to church as an adult, right, for the first time when I started going to church. And I would walk in, and the pastor was like, he said, I want you to pray with your neighbor. And I'm like, well, my neighbor don't go to this church. I don't know if you need You want me to call my neighbor on the phone? That's creepy. I ain't going to do that. Right, then they explained to me, right, your neighbor is a person sitting next to you. Listen, I'm brand new at this Christian stuff. I don't not. I didn't even know you're supposed to pray out loud, let alone with this lady. I don't even know this lady. What am I supposed to pray about? 
Lord, help these bumps go down on this lady's face. I don't know what you can, can pray about. I don't know what I'm supposed to pray about, right? She went first. She was praying all good, and she must have been John the Baptist's little sister or something. <laughs> she was like, Dear Heavenly Father, you said in your word in the sixth chapter, the third, third verse of the book of Matthew, the 601st word on page 1248. <laughs> Lord, you said, But seek, S is in search, E is in everywhere, E is in excellent, K is in kingdom. You're the Alpha, Nisi, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah, Rapha. I'm thinking, man, she even know his nicknames. <laughs> now, it's my turn to pray, right? But I don't got the spiritual vocabulary to just, but I'm not going to let her out pray me. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, God, first of all, you are good people. You know, you are good, Lord. You are good. You were good to the last drop, Lord. Because, um, Lord, I, I just got to obey my thirst, Lord. You know, because choosing moms choose Jesus. So, Lord, because, you know, as the, as the rocket's red glare, Lord, it gave proof to the night, Lord. I believe I could fly a man. He's pretty good. You need to check him out. Check him out on YouTube. But you know, in, in that humorous way, he, he brings up a lot of things. You know, in, once, once we're kind of a part of the, the Christian community uh, and, and we kind of get used to the way things are and, and, and we find friends and we find a place in the fellowship, that's all a great thing. But, but sometimes we, we kind of get insular in how we operate. And forget that somebody who perhaps is coming to the church for the first time or, or isn't really connected yet. It can be an intimidating thing, believe it or not, to walk into a church. What are they going to do? Are they going to make me do anything? How's it going to be? See, those are all questions that roll around in the minds of people who aren't a part of, of the church. But you know what? That's where our mission lies. The true mission. That's, that's the true why of the church. We, we, we do things that kind of preserve the body. That's vital. The fellowship things we do. The, the chili cook-off after today, after the service. And, and, and the kinds of times we gather as God's body, that's, that's to build the fellowship, the preserving of the saints. But we also have to be thinking of those who are outside of the circle. Preservation of the saved is part of it, but a passion for the lost. The lost one. That's in our name. That's what it's all about. I, I developed a conviction after a pa being a pastor over a period of time, and, and, and it's still my heart to this day, is before the church can be a saving place, it needs to be a safe place for people who aren't in the church. Does that make sense? Who aren't into how we operate or some of the things we do. And, and, and so one of the, the, the kind of ways that affected was to make sure that on, on Sundays when we gather that the things that are said and done elevate the Lord definitely 
but are a safe place for the persons who don't know the Lord to be. Now that, that's a motivation that goes deep and it's not an easy one always to have happen. But it's a part of why we do what we do. We're going to 10 o'clock during December, starting December 1st. Part of the reason for that is in the Advent season, more people are, are perhaps thinking about coming to church, starting back to church, so to speak. If they got little kids and, and, and all those kinds of things, when, when you start at 9, it's hard for the person who's outside of the church to get them ready to be here. So we ask the body to adjust for the purpose of allowing more people, perhaps, to come. If you're inviting people during December. So the motivation that we do things is, is, is a vital thing to understand. Nehemiah's motivation was clear as he spoke to the king. So after he speaks to the king, we're going to look at the next verses. Verse 5, he says, I replied, <clears throat> If it please the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, How long will you be gone? When will you return? After I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. I also said to the king, If it please the king, let me have letters addressed to the governors of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through their territories on my way to Judah. And please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's forest, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for a house for myself. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. What Nehemiah is talking about here is, is, is the confirmation of his mission. So he realizes that God has given them this this mission, he's got it deep in his heart, he's motivated to do it, but he's got to get some help to make it happen. And one of the help that he needs, part of the help that he needs, is the king's granting his request. Because he was under the authority of the king. And so he not only tells him what he wants to do, but he outlines how he's going to do it. Because he, he wants to show that his faith also has a, a path So if the king was going to understand what he was going to do, he had to hear it from Nehemiah's mouth. And so Nehemiah outlines that to the king. So Nehemiah started with prayer. He he developed this path for moving forward. He starts with getting permission from the king, and then he asks the king to give his help, send letters to the officials there so they know what's going on, so that it's all up front, it's all out there. That was an important part of his confirmation. But what Nehemiah realized he needed more than anything else is found at the end of the eighth verse. And the king granted these requests because the gracious hand of God was on me. Another translation says, because I had the favor of God. Now, whenever we move forward in in the Christian life and mission, particularly in the life of the church, we want the hand of God, the favor of God. 
to be honest. We're under his authority. Nehemiah had had this, this burning mission, but it wasn't his mission. He had to get the confirmation of, of God in his own heart, then the permission of the king, and then the favor of God for it to happen. We all live under the authority of the hand of God, but, but what's important is that we realize what our motivations are, bring them before the Lord, bring them to each other, and then let the Lord bring his favor. The hand of God is simply his presence with us. That's the authority we need to be under. Uh, as, as a prayer in the Old Testament, Lord, don't let me go if your presence doesn't go with me. Authority, authority is a little bit of a tricky thing. Um, a federal agriculture inspector was going around inspecting ranches, which was his job. And so he went to this ranch, and the, the rancher met him as he, uh, as he came out to see him. And the inspector said to him, I'm here to inspect your ranch. I'm a federal agricultural inspector. He lifted his card. He said, this is my card. And the rancher looked at his card and said, oh, this guy's legitimate. He said, now you, you can inspect any one of these fields except this one. And he pointed to the one on the right. And the inspector said, I'm the federal agriculture inspector. I can inspect any field I want. I have a card. And just to show his authority, he went out to this field where the rancher told him not to go. And the rancher just watched him. And a few minutes later, he sees the federal inspector running for his life with a bull right behind him going after him. The rancher yelled out to him, Show him your card! <laughs> Show him your card! You have authority! Now, I have a card. This is a card I get every year. Uh, I've been ordained as a minister in the Church of God since 1975. Every year I get a card that says, that I'm a minister in good standing in the church of God. And, and I save these cards every year because it reminds me of several things. It reminds me, first of all, that God has called me, God has had his hand upon me, that the vows I, I shared at ordination, I have been faithful to those, and those around me recognize that. So this card is just a card doesn't give me any authority. If you come up and talk to me about something, I'm not going to say, I have a card. You need to listen to me. Nothing about that. Really what this card is about is this. It reminds me that I'm under authority. I'm under God's hand. I need his hand of favor. I'm under his authority. When I've served churches or when I served the state, there was a, always a, a leadership team of some kind aboard, entrusted with the care of that ministry. I was responsible and am responsible to those people under their authority. Together we work to move what God wants to do forward. So we need the hand of God 
to confirm what we're doing and work together with each other to make sure that we're staying on the track that he wants. It's my third Sunday here. I'm still praying every day, Lord, give me wisdom to inform, inspire, do what you want to do here. This is your church. These are your people. I'm going to skip down to the last part of the chapter, verse 17. But now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in, in Jerusalem. It lies in ruins. Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God has been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. So they began the good work. But when Sanballat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard of our plan, they scoffed contemptuously. What are you doing? Are you rebelling against the king, they asked. I replied, the God of heaven will help us succeed. We, his servants, will start rebuilding the wall. But you have no share, legal right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. What Nehemiah now does is he he starts putting his hand to the grindstone. They begin the application of what it was God had confirmed. They began the good work. Three guys heard it and said, what are you doing? That's not going to work. Nehemiah realized that no matter what path we're on, there's going to be obstacles to overcome. I believe God has a good plan for one community church. There's going to be obstacles to overcome. There's going to be a lot of things that that we have to work through to get at the why and to see what God wants to do next. Nehemiah's last reply was, the God of heaven will help us succeed. What's our confidence in the church? It's not what we can do. Sarah said that well at the end of the singing. We can do just what our limited abilities and strength can do, but Our confidence is in God who helps us succeed. That's the confidence we we deeply need. You know, every every church that's a New Testament church believes in Christ as Savior and the Bible as our guide. We pretty much all have what we call the same motivations, the Great Commission, Go make disciples of all nations. The great commandment, love one another, love your neighbor, love yourself, love the world around you. But out of that, out of that general mission, every local body, whatever it is, has to find their why within that mission. For many years as pastor and church, 15 years, our, our mission statement was fairly simple to impact our community and world with the love of God. That was our motivation. Under that, we we had specific kinds of things. One's mission is fairly similar to that, to live well, to love well. 
And as, as we do the things that we do to make that happen and align them with how we believe God is doing them, that is what unifies and guides the direction of a church. It has to include a passion for the Michaels of the world. Otherwise, we, we just kind of become our little community. And it doesn't matter the, the size or the scope of the mission, it's the why of the mission. The hearts of the people. I believe you're here because you have that deep in your heart. Um, I'm going to do a little something here at the end of this message. That um, uh, It's going to be a part of, of some of the information we collect as we go along here. Um, it's a fairly simple question. Uh, why are you a part of one community church? Um, Kevin, if you'd start passing out those. Just got a little card, a little index card with that question on it. Why are you part of one community church? The bottom of it says, how long have you been attending? Now, as these are being passed out, here's what I would ask you to do prayerfully if you are ready to do something on it. Not looking for a big, long, flowery answer or something that is, is thoroughly thought out, unless you want to take this with you and think about it a little more. But what's your why? What brought you here? What is it about one that, that the mission of this place touches you? What's your why? Don't put your name on it. We're not looking for any other kind of information. It's just... What's your why? So I'm going to just say a quick prayer and then, so if you just maybe play the guitar briefly and give us a little time to do this. Lord, you know our hearts, you know this place, you know how much you love the heart of this church and what you've done through the years and what you're going to do. But Lord, we need desperately to hear from your voice. So speak to us now, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.